It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Are we at a turning point in history? Whereas it may appear that the enemy has the upper hand and superior position in power, could it not be the hour that the Church of Jesus Christ pulls off the impossible victory? After all, that is the story of history. That's the story of the cross, and that is the age-old story of the church. Hey, this is Eric. Before we dive into today's Daily Thunder message and learn what it means to pull a McCluskey, I wanted to remind all the men out there about my eight-week honorable manhood training that is set to launch on June 21st. It's a powerful vision of epic manhood that I guarantee will supercharge your manliness, your marriage, and your fatherhood. Go to ellersley.com forward slash daily to learn more. Now let's head to Midway Island in the year 1942. It's May 30th. You're an American soldier and you're waiting on pins and needles for the arrival of the unstoppable Japanese fleet who are coming to destroy you. But you have something. Something so powerful that if it is wielded properly could not just turn this battle, but the entire war on its head. So I am carrying a significant burden that I'm not sure how it's going to come out in this expression, in this particular Daily Thunder episode, but I feel like it's a watershed in my life. I even almost called this watershed because it's a naval battle uh, as we're going through the spiritual lessons from World War II. And it's not even an accident of what episode this is. This is episode 40 in the series. And even that is like language to my soul because 40 is a number of completion and it's always the advent of a new beginning. It's, and this message is called The Turning Point. And so after 40 years, uh, the children of Israel are going to end their wilderness season. And on the first day of the 41st year, they are going to cross the Jordan River. And 40 is always uh, a significant number. Jesus is tested and tried and tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. And then he is going to exit the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, if there was ever a description of what we need as a church right now. If you listen to my Monday edition, we are, uh, which was the 39th episode, and it was called Revival in the Pacific, it's a critical thing that is taking place in World War II. We have the Japanese who have exploded onto the scene in December of 1941. We are now in late May of 1942. The Japanese, in that six-month window of time, have dominated the Pacific. Whatever they have gone after, they have gotten. And when they originally hatched this plan, this devious plot to seize territory while the Allies were distracted, and while America was trying to be passive and neutral, they have accomplished more than they even set out to do. And they're even shocked themselves at how successful they are, but not one battle have they lost up to this point. They have proven to be extraordinary warriors, they have proven to be unstoppable, and they are now bloated in their confidence. And I can't help but create a parallel with where the powers of darkness are right now. They seem to be seizing territory right and left, and all their great plans and conspiracies seem to be unfolding, and the church seems to have been silenced. We look around and we're like, hey, church, what are you doing? Isn't this your hour? I mean, there's a pandemic. Every time in history that there's been a pandemic of any kind, any plague, the church rises up to front lines because we're the only ones on earth that don't fear it. And yet, in this situation, we've been played. We've been played into a position of fear, into a position of backing away from involvement, lest we harm someone. That's an interesting thing. When we're the church of Jesus Christ with the power of the gospel, the lone thing on earth that can save people. What is happening? Well, it's a similar parallel. So I feel in a strange way that I'm back in 1942. And what's interesting is even as I'm studying this, the dates that I was studying it, which is late May, early uh, days of June. And so we're going to hit June 3rd through June 6th is the Battle of Midway. And so you see this parallel even of time period, uh, late spring, that you're going to see a test come to America. And guess what? You're going to see a revival. 
It's the very thing that I think God is planting in me as far as a deep-seated desire is to see the church revive. And so what we see is a pattern here where all the odds are against it. They are back on their haunches. They are not, in every, in every in, uh, this is what I said on Monday, if you're a betting person, which, you know, I'm hoping you're not, but if you were a betting person and you were to look on paper at the Japanese forces and the Japanese prowess in battle, the Japanese accomplishments so far, and the American accomplishments so far, and how much naval power they have to bring to the table, you're going to bet all of your wealth and all of your resources on Japan right now. And yet, if America loses this one battle in Midway, Japan controls the Pacific, Hawaii is next, and it will go down like a house of cards, and it's the west coast of America. Okay, I mean, we're talking major shift in world history is hanging in the balance right now. And many of us are also connecting the dots of what happens if the church stays dead right now. If it stays passive, what's going to happen in this country? I mean, we're all sort of doing that. Well, if this continues this way, <laughs> and we immediately begin to think of Nero and arenas and being fed to lions, because that is the trajectory if there is not a divine intervention. Now, you know, technically, I'm okay with crosses being erected, and not that I want to be fed to a wild beast, okay? I'm not cheering on the thought. However, if it takes that to purify the church and to awaken the body of Christ to a prayer position, then so be it. As far as I'm concerned, my big request of God right now is not ease and comfort, it's the glory of God. It's the power of the gospel once again enlivened on this globe. And for that to happen, sometimes people have to expend their lives. I get that, okay? And very likely I'm going to be probably on the front lines. Even when you say things like that, then you have a tendency to have a bullseye aimed towards you. However, I'm going to say it because if you heard my prayer before this started, I'm saying I'm ready, Lord Jesus, to step into dangerous waters. I recognize that this is why you have saved me. I recognize that you have selected this vehicle known as Eric Ludi for such a time as this. Of course, you could appropriate this your personal way too. And you have moved in and made this your mobile aircraft carrier. And as a result, an aircraft carrier is sent out with planes upon it to send into that heavenly region those, that aircraft that can take down enemy ships. I know that each one of us and together we form a military unit and we must be ready to engage this enemy. So the turning point, Midway Atoll. So we have an atoll is going to be a ring-shaped coral reef that is going to form into an island. In the middle, right, uh, I don't remember when it was discovered, I want to say in the 1800s, but the United States is going to discover that there's this coral reef uh, that is just halfway between basically Japan and America, and they're going to name it Midway, and typically we know it as Midway Island. It's basically two little miniature islands. It's teeny, and when we think of Midway Island, you think of a big, huge Hawaiian sort of island. This is not very big. In fact, you can take little, one little snapshot with your camera and get the whole thing in it. So two ring-shaped coral reefs forming islands. So there it is. You could see the other atoll uh, back there, but these are going to be sort of little coral islands is what they would typically be called. And so the United States in 1941 is going to recognize the strategic significance of these, and they are going to turn them into a military base. So this is going to be a key outpost, and it is going to come into play in late May, early June of 1942. This is going to be basically the turning point of World War II. Whether or not you say it's the turning point in the European theater, it sort of becomes that in the long run because where America goes in World War II is ultimately gonna shape the end destiny of the entire war. And this is where America goes, right here, right now. We're at the turning point. As a Christian, I look around and I see a church that is confused. I see a church that is in a fog bank. If there's one thing I have a great capacity of compassion and care for right now, it's pastors. Because I know, from personal experience, being one right now, how confusing this is. How am I supposed to respond to this? Am I, how do I show sensitivity to my flock? How do I show sensitivity to government? At what point do I show sensitivity to government? At what point do I listen? At what point do I neglect? 
At what point do I care about a COVID virus that doesn't seem to have much effect in anyone I know? And what point do I have greater care for what the Word of God says the church should be doing in this world? So this balance of how do I reason through this as a leader? Okay, the American military is in a hobbled position. They were attacked at Pearl Harbor. Why? That's their key naval base in the Pacific. And aircraft carriers were taken out of commission. Battleships were taken out of commission. Soldiers were killed in a key location. Midway is the next juncture. And so America is, has had six months. You can't build an aircraft carrier in six months. You are, it takes years to build some of this equipment that was at Pearl Harbor. And so America is debilitated and Japan is licking their chops. And the attack on Midway is going to be to devastate their remaining aircraft carriers. If they can take the American aircraft carriers out of commission, they control the entire Pacific. And that's because aircraft carriers at this juncture, right now, in fact, we're only going to say a couple months earlier, have turned into the key operational chief of the Pacific. This is the battle. It's aircraft carriers. No longer is it battleships <laughs> shooting at each other. It's aircraft carriers that don't even see each other that are going to send off planes and fight each other. So naval warfare has become airplane warfare. Isn't that weird? That's the shift in battle, which is going to be critical at Midway. This is actually happening in time. In, at this exact juncture, we're going to see a shift of battle. So there's Midway, and you're going to see the, uh, the runways because the whole thing is an airfield, is basically what it is. So you can see uh, Midway right in between Japan and the United States. So it's, it's perfectly named. In so many regards, there's some key truths that I want to bring out that play into this. If you've, if you've heard me speak over the years, in fact, I just uh, we have our pre-curriculum for our Ellerslie Online that is launching today. And one of my messages in this week is called The Middle of the Middle. Uh, I could have called it Midway Island. That could have been the name of that entire message, which is there's a center point that is going to define all of history. There is a center point in the Pacific that is going to define the entire outcome of World War II. And it's right there. The center of the center is what we're looking at at uh, Midway Island. That's why this is so significant. I mean, this is a massively important thing in all of our lives as American citizens. I mean, this is like the change of history, the change of destiny right here. And so I'm going to say where the center of the center, where the earthquake hits. In the gospel accounts, you're going to see God hallmark the center. Paul is going to go to the church at Corinth and say, hey guys, I'm going to give you the center. I'm going to give you the North Star. Let's all fix our compasses to it. Jesus and him crucified. I want you to think of what's going to happen when Jesus dies. The earth is going to quake. There's an earthquake right there. I want, to, I want you to think about when Jesus is resurrected. The earth is going to quake. God is going boom, boom. And then what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit is poured out? The room is going to quake. Three earthquakes. This is the center of the center, Jerusalem. There is something taking place right here in all of history that is going to change the course of everything. And what we're going to see is a similar pattern. We have a center point. We have a, a middle of the middle, and we have a clash that is very significant. I was I've been studying Japanese uh, history leading up to World War II and just understanding the mindsets. And they're going to be a separatist nation, okay? They do not want any ideological input from outside regions or nations. So the only people that they will trade with uh, in the, uh, I mean, we're talking, I don't know what, 50 years before the war is going to be the Dutch uh, East Indies. And then you have to show papers, you have to show everything, and you're just going to have a little transaction at the dock and they're out of here. You do not allow any ideological input into this culture. And so the greatest threat to the Japanese, if they were to define it in this time, was this thing called Christianity. And so as a result, they will massacre Christians. And so if they find any Christians, they, have, they dealt harshly with Christianity. Why? Well, they were an emperor-based operation. And there's nothing more threatening to an emperor that they deem as God than to have this crazy people come into town and say that there's a God higher than the emperor. And so as a result, Judaism and Christianity fell into the category of there's only one God and he's higher than your emperor. And that didn't go over well. And so what you have is the leading up to 1942, you have a nation that has fostered a 
a contempt and a hatred for Christianity. And they worship their emperor. Their emperor is deified. And so you, you see the symbols of what's taking place here, where man has been exalted, and you see this other nation, America. Now, America has its problems, okay? And I do not want to try and sell off America as this virtuous place that is only Christian, that loves Jesus, and that does everything the way it's supposed to, okay? That is not true. However, inside of that nation, are God-fearing men and women. And that has been prospered in our nation throughout its history. And so as a result, you have a contrast. You have one that has embraced Christianity and you have one that has rejected it. You have one that has rejected Jesus Christ as king and one that has submitted to it. And boom, we have a clash in the Pacific. I mean, that's good, guys. Don't, can't you just see this? Now, I know this was made into a movie. I actually haven't seen the, the movie Midway. It probably will intrigue you to look into it after this. I'm not trying to sell you a movie, though, because I've never seen it. I have no idea what's in it. Uh, however, the story itself is very compelling. I, I have a hunch that the Hollywood version of it is probably not going to sell you on the spiritual significance of it uh, in history, but it may on the significance of the American uh, impact. So uh, as we go through and look at the, the earthquake, we, I'm, I'm just, I can't help but reflect back on the cross. Matthew 27, 50 through 54, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared God, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. There is going to be something that happens at Midway which is going to have a similar effect. It is going to shake these soldiers when they're going to realize, I mean, the, the miracle of Midway is, is a common phraseology for it. In other words, this is impossible. The odds are so stacked against the Americans in this. They are outmanned, outgunned, out in every regard, out. And yet, somehow, I don't want to give a spoiler away, somehow they're going to win this thing. I mean, I, I mean that's just extraordinary, right? This, Jesus is hanging on a cross naked. And he's going to somehow pull out a victory out of that? This is the center. What looks like defeat is going to turn on the enemy's head. They would not have crucified the son of glory or the son of God if they had known. If they had understood what was going to happen, they wouldn't have attacked Midway. Believe me, this is going to come back and haunt the Japanese for the rest of the war. They're going to lose their naval strength. They're going to lose their aircraft strength because of this one battle. It is going to so devastate them and it's going to, do, it's like a puncture to their morale. They were so cocky going into this, and now they're going to have their tail between their legs, and they're going to play on the defensive for the rest of World War II from this exact point. And the Apostle John in Revelation 5, 6, and then seven seventeen, and I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain. The lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The term anamesos in the Greek for in the midst is like in the middle of the middle. And so that's why, you know, I, I named that message in the middle of the middle. I could have called it Midway Island. In other words, in the middle of this whole thing rests a lamb that was slain. That's what this is really all about, guys. You want to understand the battle over this country? It has to do technically, if you really want to get to the middle of the middle of it all, you know, we can say, oh, it's, oh, it's political, oh, it's for power, it's for this. It's actually over this one known as the lamb. And how you decide on that lamb defines which side of this ledger you're on. And your decision on that lamb that was slain affects the outcome of everything. So there's another dimension to this battle which is extremely intriguing. I'm going to call it the word of God. So for us and our purposes, we understand that. We understand that this lamb that was slain is the word of God made flesh. But there is a text that has been revealed via the Holy Spirit carrying along its writers throughout the centuries. And it reveals something. The same thing, the middle of the middle of this entire text is going to be a lamb that was slain. Whichever book you look at throughout the years. And even Jesus is going to say, yeah, Moses, he wrote of me. What do you mean Moses wrote of you? In other words, the first five books, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, I mean, come on, how could that have to do with Jesus? Yeah, he wrote of me. You see, this is the center of the center. It's all about Jesus and what Jesus is going to do with that cross. Jesus and him crucified. 
And so when we have this word, when we revere this word, when we tremble before it, and when we believe it, it's going to change the outcome of the war. There is something known as the JN25. Okay, you see it on the screen. The Japanese Red Book, JN25. The, the Americans, the cryptographers, they are going to discover something. I need to study the history very specifically just of this at a deeper level because it's so fascinating. I mean, the, the codes and all this. So ja the Japanese have a code, and their chief code is called, J well, to the Americans, they, they nickname it JN25. And so as a result, they're trying to crack this. You know when they crack this code? Amazingly, they're going to crack it in like March or April of 1942. What does that mean? Well, they know every single thing the Japanese are up to in their attack on Midway Island. So even though the Americans are outgunned and outmanned, they know exactly where the Japanese are going to be. And as a result, they lay a trap for the trapper. And so, I mean, this is a great turn of events. I mean, this is extraordinary. Now, this is exactly what we have as Christians. Sure, it looks like the powers of darkness are ruling. Yes, I know what it looks like. But you know what we have? We have the Red Book. We know everything the enemy's up to. He can't invent new things. He's doing the same thing he's always done, and we know his Achilles heel. By the way, psst, he's defeated. I mean, he's already defeated. I mean, talk about something he doesn't want you to know, that you have authority over him. Every bullet you shoot in that direction, every torpedo will hit its mark when it's sent in the authority of Christ's name. You know what? That gives you a little confidence, even though on paper you're not looking very good, and it looks like he's just owning the Pacific. We have the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul the Apostle is speaking about forgiveness, and he says, this is the reason we function the way we do, guys. This is the reason we for forgive. Forgive lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We know exactly what he's up to. So therefore, instead of playing his game, let's do what God tells us to do. God says, forgive. Don't get bitter. Don't hold resentment. That's the enemy's game. That's how you lose the naval battle. If you want to win this thing, you do it God's way, because we know exactly what his devices are. I like that. The shift of warfare. So this is the third dimension. I'm talking about the center point of this. So this is really a spiritual battle. I mean, you're dealing with two nations that are conflicting over the lamb that was slain. You're also dealing with the very clear ideas of what the word of God is going to reveal to us, that God actually gives understanding to those that fear him so that they have what's called wisdom, which you could call strategy if you want to use a battle uh, technique uh, or a battle terminology for it, is you need to know where to be and when. How do you fight a, a, a more grand foe? Well, you need wisdom for it. Well, guess what? God's given it to us in his word. He's given it to us via his Holy Spirit. Everything we need for this battle, everything we need for life and godliness supplied. Now we need to remember the shift in battle. Paul's going to say, hey, guys, we're not fighting this the way that previous battles have been fought. No, 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 no. I know that history has shown battleships going at each other in the uh, ocean. No, no, we don't fight that way. We fight a different battle. We're no longer just trying to deal with at the man level. Because that's how many of us as Christians are thinking. How do we solve this? How do we deal with a slumbering church? How do we deal with a dark world? How do we deal with it politically? How do we deal with it practically? And Paul comes in and says, guys, whoa, 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 you're thinking down here. Boy, I feel like Nathan Johnson when I do that. Don't, doesn't, don't I look like that? And when God's thinking up here, that was classic Nathan Johnson. If any of you saw this via stream, then you just saw it. You're like, Nathan? <clears throat> However, that's exactly what's going to happen in this battle. It's going to shift from battleships to carriers. And the carriers are going to send their planes into the air. And the battle at Midway is going to be fought in the air. That is profound. This battle that we need to fight, if we're going to win it, we need to remember what it's about. It's about the lamb that was slain, and he has given us everything we need. He has supplied us with his word. He has given us the tactical strategy and the wisdom for how to win this. And he says, start here on your knees. You fight this in the spiritual realms instead of at the earthly level, and then you will see what your God can and will do. 
So we, ship, we switched from battleships to carriers. Ephesians 6.12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our battle is shifting from earthly, man to man, to heavenly. So the burden that Eric is carrying this morning if I could use strong enough language, which I don't know if I can because it is something that I'm wrestling with. I've been wrestling with it for days now because I'm, I've been praying, God, give me wisdom. I need to know what to do right now, not just as an individual man, but as a leader. I need to know what to do and how to lead the church right now. I don't know if any of you guys are feeling the same ache but I feel like in this fog bank that the church is in, in this cloud, in this dizzy state, this is the hour that we have been built for and prepared for. We have the word of God, so therefore we know exactly what the enemy's up to, and we know exactly how to win it, but we need to win it in prayer, which means if we actually believed that, what would we do? We would begin to pray. I mean, so I'm I'm dealing with all sorts of things. You know, like God comes to Moses and he says, Moses, what's that in your hand? And he says, a rod, throw it down. I feel like God's coming to me and saying, Eric, what's that in your hand? And I'm like, a campus, throw it down. So I've, I've had thoughts, okay, guys? I don't know how this is gonna play out, but I've had thoughts. Could you imagine everyone that's passionate about strategically beginning to get on their knees and praying, feeling welcome to come and actually hit this together? and we form a tactical unit that prays for the shift in this battle. I feel the need to do something. I don't care if it's, if it's grand or if it's simple. And obviously, as an indiv on an individual level, I need to be willing to do it even if no one does. Because it really doesn't matter if we have quantity uh, as long as we have the quality of readiness. However, what power could begin to increase in this world for the, the, the glory of God and the, and the gospel and its power in lives if we begin to tactically pray and position ourselves for real battle. May 30th, 1942, on pins and needles. So the Americans know that the Japanese are coming. Could you imagine what this would feel like? You do not have the military strength to actually best Japan head to head, but you know something they don't. You know that they think that you don't know, but you know what they don't know, and that's that they don't know that you know. This is the strength of the church as well. You see, the devil, listen to this, is a deceiver, and he deceives himself. I know that that sounds funny, but a deceiver actually believes his lies. I don't know if you've ever been around a liar, but they will convince themselves into their position. And many of us think that, you know, the devil, you know, he, he sees truth, but he just chooses not to believe it. I'm not saying he doesn't know what the truth is. I'm just saying that he's conned himself, too. Just like the Japanese in this situation, the Americans will not be able to defend. The Americans are are weak, we can pounce on them right now. Very similar, well guess what? They are inspired to do this. Something is leading them, but there is another side to this tale. The devil doesn't want a Christian nation to come out on top in this, believe me. Okay, so this is a, this is a, a evil and, and good type of a battle, even though I'm not saying everyone in it is evil or good. I'm saying in symbol, it is. May 30th, 1942, boy, I tell you what, imagine being at Midway Island, imagine being on one of those carriers, being one of the pilots and being like, gulp. I mean, because this is Goliath that is coming at you. I mean, this is a massive tsunami that is sweeping through the Pacific right now. So that's, the, that's a great illustration. It's just David versus Goliath. The Americans have no hope at Midway Island. They're, except, except if the Japanese don't know that they know because they can lay a trap even with their lesser forces and surprise them because they are thinking, they're, the Japanese think they're laying the trap. So they're going to attack uh, up in Alaska the day before so that the Americans will turn their uh, strength up towards Alaska. Meanwhile, they'll sweep in and hit Midway. I mean, they're, they're, 
tactically doing this. And they're gonna, then they know that uh, the Americans are going to bring all their forces from Pearl Harbor towards Midway, and they're going to swing up and take Pearl Harbor. I mean, they, they have this thought through at such a detailed level. The problem is the Americans have the Red Book. They know exactly that they're doing it. So they put a small defense party up in Alaska and keep everything down at Midway. And they already have everything in place to match every single spot that the Japanese are planning to hit. And the Japanese don't know that they're waiting for them. So the Japanese are going to be caught off guard. I mean, this is good stuff, guys. I mean, this is movie material. So Winston Churchill is going to get into the, the descriptions here. At Midway, the airfield was crammed with bombers and the ground forces for the defense of the island were at the highest alert. Early information of the approach of the enemy was imperative and continuous air search began on May 30th. Continuous air search. Continuous air search. When I think of what the air uh, battles are in this, and I think of waiting on God, I think of seeking wisdom, I think of studying the word of God and understanding God's mind on these things. Every great battle in the Old Testament where a king that feared God went out, what did he have? Continuous air search. In other words, what he's doing is he's allowing God to speak into the matter and say, do this. You do this, you win. And that's exactly what we're going to see here is a parallel with that, continuous air search. So here's a, a picture. It's similar to a picture I gave on Monday, which was a hand, I think it's a hand-drawn map from Winston Churchill that I copied from his book. And this one is a similar one. Remember, I, I, there's a solid line that sort of stretches out from uh, up near uh, Northern Asia, like the Soviet Union area, all the way wrapped around just above Australia's little nostril. It looks like a nose and goes back over to like the Burma uh, area and towards India. And that's where Japan has claimed since 19, December 7th, 1941 to where we're at now, May 30th, uh, when this, this watching is taking place. We're going to go into June. June 3rd is when the Battle of Midway is going to start. So you're going to see this, this growth of Japan's strength. They went from a little island. I don't know if you guys can see the Japanese island up there. That's all Japan had to all of this. I mean, this is most of the Pacific region now. And if you play Axis and Allies or Risk, you know how important this territory is. I mean, this, this matters uh, in the battle because if... America loses control of this. If Australia loses control of this, if Great Britain, a lot of these are Great British, uh, Britain, British colonies. If Great Britain loses its hold on the Pacific, then the, the Japan can actually swing through and take the United States from the West Coast. And nothing has been able to stop them. And it's not like American cities are ready for Japanese soldiers to come invading them. I mean, this is big time stuff because the Americans are trying to help over in Europe too. So how do you balance all of this when you're not even prepared for war? This has just happened. America hasn't been thinking, we're going to war. They've been saying, we're not going to war. We're not going to war. We're not going to war. Well, we're going to war. And Japan has been preparing for this long before this day. So what you see is that dotted line on the outside, and you're going to see Midway up there. And uh, Yamamoto's plan is what it says. He's wanting to extend out and take this new territory and cut off communication between America and Australia and claim Midway and then from Midway take Pearl Harbor. From Pearl Harbor, take the West Coast. In other words, this is the concept. They're getting greedy, they're salivating, they never dreamed of having such success, but now they can't help themselves. Four days passed in acute suspense. May 30th through June 3rd, 1942. See, I'm building sort of the the tale here. I might as well just linger a little longer on this screen. What's going to happen? Now, I already feel like I gave away the spoiler because I think you guys figured out that the Americans are going to win this, which I don't like. I, I wish I could have kept that back a little, but so much in this parallels our spiritual life. I need to keep the hope in there. I don't want you to think that the powers of darkness are just going to win this thing. At 9 a.m. on June 3rd, a Catalina flying boat on patrol. This is Winston Churchill. On patrol, more than 700 miles west of Midway, sighted a group of 11 enemy ships. The bombing and torpedo attacks which followed were unsuccessful except for a torpedo hit on a tanker. But the battle had begun. Now this is going to start with the Americans actually hitting and surprising one of the groups that they thought was the main group, but it wasn't the main group. And because the Japanese feel like the Americans are listening in on the radio communication, 
they have called for radio silence. So as a result, even though the United States is going to attack one of the groups, which is not expected, that group is not going to communicate with the main group to say that the Americans are onto us. <laughs> so as a result, the surprise is still intact. I mean, the amount of things that are going to happen in this to, to save what we know as the American uh, nation are just extraordinary. So one of the guys I want to introduce you to, actually is basically the one guy I'm going to introduce you to, sort of symbolically, is a guy named Rear Admiral, that's his, t- his job description, Rear, Rear Admiral, Admiral Wade McCluskey. Look at him. He's a nice looking guy, right? So Wade McCluskey is going to be the Enterprises, who, which is one of the aircraft carriers. So they're going to have three aircraft carriers in this, which I know that doesn't sound like very many. An aircraft carrier is a big deal. So to build it and to, I mean, it's going to have, I don't know how many airplanes can fit on an aircraft carrier, but a lot, right? So this is a, a very strategic thing. And he's going to be the entire Enterprise, which is the aircraft carrier, their air group commander in the Battle of Midway. So one of three aircraft carriers, he's over the entire squadron, if you will, of, uh, of aircraft for that, uh, that carrier. And so I'm going to liken him to the church in the year 2020. I, on Monday, I likened the Church of Jesus Christ to an aircraft carrier because it used to be that the center of all of God's work was in like this city known as Jerusalem. And there's a temple there and this is sort of the center. And then God is going to, in a sense, break forth from that at the cross where the temple veil is going to rent in two and you're going to see the church and the house of God, the temple of God, actually go mobile, sort of like an aircraft carrier. It can go anywhere and carry this strength with it and it can actually dominate the air region. There's a prince of the power of air who's been boasting for a long time, but we have weapons of warfare that are able to tear him down. And so this is very tactical and very, very significant. And so Wade McCluskey is going to play what I'm calling this the turning point. But there's a turning point in the Battle of Midway. And Wade McCluskey is going to be right at the center of that. And so this guy in American history, even though most people have never heard of him, is like pivotal. I'm fascinated because he doesn't look, you know, you look at him, he looks like a nice guy, but you're not going to say, oh, now there's your leading man, right? There's your, your Tom Cruise, your Brad Pitt. He's just sort of this good guy, right? This like, okay, guys, let's go out and do our thing. And so they're going to head out uh, to do their thing but they're going to be sent in the wrong direction. And so they're not able to find what they thought they were going to find. Remember, the, the Americans have the Red Book. So they, they think they know where the Japanese are, but up to this point, they haven't been successful in accomplishing anything. They've sent out multiple raids. They have not accomplished anything other than destroyed a tanker. So it's like, uh, we still have four uh, carriers, aircraft carriers of the Japanese that are headed straight for us. And they have so much more power than the Americans uh, do, we have to take these guys out. So McCluskey leads his squadron out, and they don't see anything. Now they're in a pinch. Now let me sort of walk you through that. They have a clear assignment. The church has a clear assignment. So just think about us today. We know what we're supposed to be doing. And then this COVID-19 thing, whatever you call it, this cloud bank, this fog bank hits. Now suddenly the church that knows it's supposed to be ministering the gospel, it's supposed to be leading people to Christ, it's supposed to be pursuing this culture even if it's antagonistic, suddenly is back on its haunches and doesn't quite know what to do. McCluskey's in a similar situation where he had a clear assignment but now he enters into a fog bank. And so we're going to call it the confusion. uh, you know, Enterprise, we're not finding any uh, enemy ships. Uh, <clears throat> McCluskey, uh, turn back and come back uh, for refueling. You see, McCluskey has a very interesting tension going on, and that is that if he goes out and looks, because he has this hunch at this time that if he were to do a box turn, he may be able to find it. Like, maybe they were off by a certain amount. And so if he does a box turn, he could, he could maybe find them, but if he does that, he may run out of fuel. And so the only way to really have guaranteed survival is to go straight back to the aircraft carrier. He wasn't expecting a greater trip than this, so they're not set up for this. 
But McCluskey is going to make a decision that is going to change Midway, the Battle of Midway, which is going to change World War II. He's going to make an adjustment. He has a fuel shortage. And so this is what I'm feeling as a Christian right now, and I want you to feel it too. If we make an adjustment right now and we turn on the offensive, it actually could mean we run out of fuel. It could mean hazards to us. It could mean all sorts of things. I mean, you could use your imagination. This, the, the political correctness is dense in our culture right now. So if the church begins to aggressively be the church again, whoa, oh, okay, this isn't going over well. Church, the church could immediately become enemy number one. And yet, we're the ones carrying the goods that can change the world, that can win this war. What do we do? We're in a McCluskey situation right now. But most men would have gone back to the carrier. That's what they would do because they have their, all their men to think about. McCluskey knows the weight of this battle, and he knows the importance of his mission. So he is actually going to, at the risk of his life and his men's lives, he is going to do a box turn and go looking for the enemy, at risk of running out of fuel in the process. And you know what's going to happen? He finds the enemy. There's a critical decision, and then we have the turning point, because he is going to drop bombs on one of the carriers, and he hits it. And this is such a shock to the Japanese. They have no idea that the Americans are even out there. This one group has, didn't even know. They still thought it was a surprise. And McCluskey is going to come out of nowhere and not, I mean, literally destroy one of their carriers. That means their, their planes have no place to land if they're out. But in this case, the planes were actually still there fueling. And so you have a destruction of so much of the strength of Japan's military force in the Pacific all in one blow by McCluskey. Then this other group of flyers is gonna come in and torpedo the other uh, carriers and two more are gonna go down. I mean, this is all like flipping on a dime. The Americans go from a weak position suddenly after McCluskey makes the risky turn to say, I'm willing to run out of fuel. Men, we're going after this, let's find this enemy. Suddenly, the battle of the air changes the course of history. You guys feel it? The battle of the air changes the course of history. So Admiral Chester Nimitz, who's the one over this entire operation in the Pacific, this naval operation, says McCluskey's decision decided the fate of our carrier task force and our forces at Midway. I don't know. I I feel the weight of that right now. It's like, okay, if we were McCluskey's flyers right now, and we know what our mission is, I mean, we, we've had it defined for years. If all of us were, if I were to say, what's your mission, soldier? To carry the gospel of Jesus Christ, to wield the weapons of my warfare, to prove the power and the glory of my God in this generation. Where are you at now, sir? I'm flying over the Pacific and I don't see where my enemy is. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, sir. I'm in a cloud bank. I'm in a fog. I'm not sure how to fulfill my assignment right now. Well, you can come back for refueling and just sort of hang out in your, uh, what would we call it, our Zoom church or our uh, drive-in church. Yeah, you could do that or you could engage the enemy. You see, that's the interesting thing about a drive-in church and a Zoom church is it doesn't engage the enemy. It just sort of somehow keeps us feeling like we're connected. The way I've likened Zoom church, I've done tons of Zoom calls and I actually am a big fan of using it right now. So don't think that I'm throwing a dart at Zoom, but here's what I would liken it to. It's like the letters H2O and the number as opposed to the drink of water. There is a need for the in-presence dimension of truth. And so therefore, though I believe this is a gift of God for such a time as this, I do not want us to lean on just Zoom or drive-in church to fulfill our calling as Christians. Have you ever heard of the presence of God? Mm -hmm. Could you imagine if all you had was the data of God and you didn't have the presence of God? There is something about presence which matters in Christianity, and I do not want to forget that in such an hour as this. And for people to engage us, presence can matter. So therefore, though Ellerslie is doing just as many creative things as anyone else to say, okay, how can we reach a generation right now that is in lockdown? 
I want us to be willing to be McCluskey, to actually do what needs to be done, even at risk and hazard of our own life, to actually do what would turn this battle. Prayer, it changes the landscape of war. So at this time, I was talking with Nate yesterday about uh, Midway. He was like, oh, I've heard some story about that the church was like stirred and that the prayer was taking place all over the country as this battle was taking place. And so I said, ah, can you get that for me? And he looked up and sent me all sorts of links, but they were all, and he said, I couldn't find what I was looking for, but there were stories of like, people praying at the exact times that this was happening, okay? So it wasn't as grand of a picture of like, and all the church marshaled its forces and were praying. However, that did happen. And so what you have is the Spirit of God sensitizes believers to what to pray for. If you desire to be sensitive, God will share with you what to pray for. He will give you his strategy. He will tell you exactly what needs. Sort of like, drop the bomb now, boom, McCluskey, turn left. He will lead you to where the enemy is, and how to take him out. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemy is not uh, a certain people group or a demographic out there. Our enemy are the powers of darkness, and by the way, they have already been judged. Those that oppose us in the natural sense, the men and women out there, we are not trying to harm them. We are trying to see them rescued. And there's a big difference because a lot of us are being baited towards having our battle be flesh and blood. But our battle needs to be first and foremost on our knees to see the prince of the power of the air brought down, silenced. Prayer, it changes the landscape of war. Now, back in the book of Daniel, you're going to see an edict from a king that is going to be brought out that says that uh, no one can worship or pray to any other god but uh, the king, basically, and he's now God. I mean, we have this, again, this similar parallel of Japan with an earthly king that is deified, and then you have Jehovah, and you have this tension, and I call it the open window because on, I want to say on Monday, that was actually a term I used, which was the open window that when sin overreaches, which is what we see Japan doing, they're overreaching. They get greedy. It overreaches. Right now, Sin is being bold in our culture. Things are being done publicly, and the, the agenda is being exposed. It's like you can see it. They're even acknowledging their agenda now. Yeah, we want to change this nation. We want to remove this from our nation. It's like, whoa, are you, did I just hear you say that out loud? Before, it used to be hidden. Now, it's blunt because they feel confident. You see, when the enemy starts to bloat in confidence, his scheme is exposed, and that's what we see in Japan. We see the scheme being exposed, the red book, JN25. The Americans then are able to respond and they are going to strike them in the air with a McCluskey box turn. What we need is the McCluskey block box turn right now. We need to know how to respond to this. The open window. Daniel is another symbol of an open window. He is going to pray in front of an open window. Uh, Daniel, that's not the wisest thing to do. You see there's an edict out there, a decree from the king, and if anyone does what you're doing right now, you're going to be fed to wild beasts. Daniel does it right in front of the open window. Now, I'm not saying that that's our tactic. It's like, well, Daniel did it, so therefore we're going to do it in front of the open window, and we're going to live stream uh, you know, everything that we do. No, not necessarily. How, there is something called the underground church, which is underground for a reason. But there's something dogged about that that I like. There's something robust and rugged about Daniel's decision that I want in us. It's like, but what about, but, and we're fretting and, and nibbling at the ends of our nails. But, but what about, what would they say? Whoa! We're in the midst of a battle, guys. The history of our nation and nations of this earth hang in the balance, and what are we assigned to do? Watch. This isn't a movie. We're players in this drama. We are to engage in this battle on our knees. That's where we start. Then we follow 
the strategic line of thought that he gives us, and if he says, talk to this person, we talk to that person. If he says, stand on that street corner and yell loudly, we'll do that. In other words, our job is to carry the good news of Jesus right now. We carry what they need. The world is fearful. We have the remedy. The world is sick. We have the remedy. The world is living in darkness and clamped in prison chains. We have the key to unlock it. Why are we ashamed? Just because the government in our country doesn't quite recognize the significance of the church doesn't mean we don't. We must stand up and be the church of Jesus Christ right now. Father, we follow your lead. Where you lead us, we will go. Lord, show us how to wield our airstrikes. Show us how to pray. Show us how to pray together. Show us how to form a military unit out of this confusion. Lord Jesus, meet the enemy where he's coming at us with great guns. And though it looks on paper as if we're weaker, Lord, we know for a fact you are greater. Lord Jesus, we submit to you as our king, as our master. We bend our knee before you and declare our allegiance afresh to you. We follow you. That is our job. Where you lead us, we will go. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we declare this and pray this. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily Monday through Friday at 8.15 a.m. And our weekend service is streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.